Hi, I'm Dave Baker. This is episode 23 of It's Pronounced Zine. On this episode, I'm going to be talking to my my good buddy, Jim Lujan, uh, creator of such amazing independently produced cartoons as Sanjorno Must Die, John Henry Unicorn, uh, Freak Daddy, DJ Fat Cat from the Paula Abdul Tell Me What You Want video. Uh, yeah, let's hear about Jim's thoughts on DJ Fat Cat. Here comes Dave Baker with the show Talking about paper publications you should know Authors and photographers that are fresh on the scene Don't be getting twisted Twisted It's pronounced Z Zing, zing, zing 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 So, I don't know what number episode this is uh, Like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think this is episode mid twenties. Do you even use headphones? I do. You you should know this. If you listen to the show, every episode I start by saying, "Do you use protection?" Yeah. Uh, well, I mean that's between me and my doctor. Okay. Um, well, you're proctor. Yeah. Um, yeah. Maybe I don't know. Introduce yourself, uh, and then maybe just say kind of just a brief synopsis of who you are, and then we'll get into okay. it. Okay. Um, I am Jim Luhan, mm-hmm. pronounced Jim. And it's not pronounced Jim. Lujan. I've, I've been saying it wrong this whole time. And uh, I'm an animator, an independent animator. I've done, what is it, maybe a shitload of cartoons? Yeah, I was going to say a metric fuckload of cartoons. A metric fuck ton of cartoons. And um, I also do voices and the music. You do everything. Everything for my yeah. own cartoons. Animate them, write them, produce them, direct them. Do all the music. You score it. Uh, voice act, um, snuff film, promote, everything, tour, all. Yeah, of it. the whole shebang. And yeah. I like to have guest stars in my cartoons, though. Yeah, mm-hmm. because one can only play with themselves so much before <laughs> they need to bring others into the room. Well, I mean, you've so. had a lot of people too, like Scott Hines from Fanboy Radio. Scott Hines. Uh, one, one Matthew Modine. Yes. Oscar Award nominee or... Dave Foley. You might have yes, heard of him. might have full of kids in the hall. Dave Foley. Yes. From yeah. the Rolling Stones. <laughs> and uh, Ruby Modine. Yes. The fantastic... The progeny Ruby. of said Matthew. That's not a word. No, it is. Um, I just don't know it. Um, it means offspring. Yeah, so I like to bring others into the fold. And yep. one day we'll have Dave Baker in a, oh, in a cartoon form. Too kind. Too so, kind. Um, yeah, I don't have a really like a, a Mickey Mouse or a Donald Duck, like a signature character. I just have I, – I just kind of tell weird stories that yeah. kind of take place in the same universe. So mm-hmm. I think in that sense, it's inspired by um, probably Quentin Tarantino's universe, let's sure. say, or, or George Lucas's. Because people always mistake my stuff for George Lucas. Yeah, yeah. You're, Constantly. You're, you're crazy, weird, asymmetrical, like tiny-armed, scratchy-style – Totally looks like yes. Star Wars. Um, so let's talk uh, maybe just a little bit of history on. I think I might know some of this just because we've been friends for. That's a while. another thing. Yeah, we've been friends. For, we have Dave. We have no reason to be friends. I was, just, <laughs> I was thinking about this the other day. We have such different tastes, but yet somehow we're drawn together in in the universe. If you don't turn that goddamn. Yeah, I'm sorry. Phone I'm off. sorry, everybody. Right now, David. Sorry. Um, I was thinking about this driving up here. I was thinking it's like you and I are like. Um, uh, cosmically connected mm-hmm. because um, like there'll be things I like you probably don't like and vice versa but yet 
it's like when it comes to like I a it's humor a sh- connection. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. We, just we, we are have on the, the same, same fucking sense of humor, but the things that we're interested in on a nuts and bolts level are very, very different. Yeah. Um, I like, don't even really know. I like bolts that. and you like nuts. So. <laughs> hey! <laughs> I don't even know if they're really that different. No, they're not. They're not. Um, yeah. I think it's just we come from different generations. So I don't even know if you could say that about me. I think someone in my age bracket, you probably normally could, but come on, man. I read, like, all kinds of weird Silver Age comics and, like, listen to radio serials and, like, you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I guess so. You know what? Actually, I'll put it to you this way. You're just a lot smarter than me. That is not okay. true. That is not true. Is that what true. you want to hear? That is not um, true. No, but I, I we instantly connected. Like, when we first met, we yeah. you instantly got on. It was effortless and... And um, I'm always constantly learning from you, Maestro. Oh, I, please. You've introduced me to lots of different artists that I had never heard of because I kind of live a lot of times in a creative bubble. Mm-hmm. I literally live in a bubble. Mm-hmm. And and when I'm doing my own stuff, here comes the, you know, writing the music and doing mm-hmm. the voices and, and drawing everything. I'm always kind of isolated. And, yeah. And um, it's a very, very sad life. So <laughs> thank I'm, God you have a wife. Yes. Yeah, so, and so, I really I've like talking with you and stuff. I've learned I've you've dropped some names and I went and researched them and mm-hmm. I found a lot of really cool stuff through you. Oh, word. Well, so, that makes me happy. All things through Dave. Oh, <laughs> all things through Dave. How did you? Uh, how did you start making animation? The year was... Because usually, obviously the name of the show is it's pronounced zine, but I figured it'd be cool to talk with you because what you make is the closest to animated zines. Absolutely. That's absolutely right. It, it's it all is. self-made, all DIY. You want to talk punk rock? Well, mine's really animated punk rock. Because yeah. I, um, I am not animated. Uh, a walk cycle is very foreign to me sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it's interesting though in that you direct around that shit. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Like, it's super fun. Like even in The Last Cherries in the Snow, there was a part where light eyes and one of the other characters is walking somewhere and you can't see their feet and you just drew them from the waist up and you just kind of like move them and it looks natural ish it looks like i wouldn't i mean obviously i know what you're doing if i didn't know anything about animation i don't know if i would necessarily be like this guy doesn't want to do a walk cycle exactly you know what i look at it this way if i was a chef i'm putting um spam into my my food, but I'm not telling anybody, and they just like it. They're like, ooh, what is this? Because yeah. people that eat have French accents. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. Everyone um, that eats has a French accent. That's right. But so I, all I care about is entertaining an audience. Um, I've learned through the years that comes with editing. It mm-hmm. comes with um, trickery and uh, just atmosphere is sure. big, is huge. Um, there are – I've seen lots of animated shorts that – they dwell like on the animation itself. You know, it becomes one big fight scene, or mm-hmm. it becomes one big animation uh, porn. You know, mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. like they're just celebrating the fact that they can animate, and that's cool for about forty seconds. But ultimately, it's always like the Pixar fellas say: it's story. It's all about story. Mm-hmm. And for me, that's what it's about. Even if the story, ironically, is not having a story, it's just an atmospheric. Yeah. journey that you're taking you got to lead the audience somewhere and and leave them satisfied yeah you know so that's kind of what i've always i, I don't know i make cartoons for myself first firstly and then kind of consider oh yeah i'm gonna watch this in a room with people at some point so i want don't want to embarrass myself right all that much how did you get to that point though like were you did you start off 
completely thrown into it. Completely because you didn't into go it. to you didn't go to school for animation, right? No, I didn't. I've never gone to school at all. Yeah, I, t- you, I talk you, gooder and yeah. do more math than any. Yeah. You have all the best animation. That's the right. best animation. It's fabulous <laughs> animation. I think it's tremendous. It's tremendous animation. Um, I animate more than anyone. Yeah. Um, I early on when I first started doing cartoons, they were anim- I called them Jim Luhan's animatic cartoons. I I they were just stills with anim- with uh, audio. Mm-hmm. And always from the beginning, my audio was always pretty good because I came from a recording background. And how so, old were you when you first started? Eesh, I was. I could tell you exactly. I I was. Well, now I'm going to make me do math. Twenty. Five or four. Oh wow! Yeah, that's kind of. I mean, not to. Yeah, no, it is kind of late. Old to start. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I didn't play guitar till I was twenty-one. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I just you weren't started, born until you were seven. I just started wiping my ass at forty. Yeah. So, and I haven't stopped since. <laughs> hey, <laughs> look out! How's it going? So, um, but uh, early on there was no movement at all, sure. and it was it was just I kind of like I concentrated on the audio, and. From there, I started using a little bit of movement, a little bit more, and now I'm up to kind of some movement now. Mm-hmm. But from the beginning, it was always about characters and story and entertaining the audience. Right away, I mean, right away, within uh, maybe six months of me starting to do animation at all, um, I got invited to a festival in Austin, Texas, by a gent named Ben Davis, who's been very uh, crucial in my career animating. Um, it was a festival going along with South by Southwest at the same time, and it was called the Conduit Festival. And I got to show two of my cartoons um, in front of a crowd. Like, I mean, that was like being thrown into the fire. Yeah. And then soon after that, I got a public access TV show, and so then the cartoons were playing everywhere. So from the beginning, I've had an audience that I've always played to. So I, I never... I never really wanted to just make cartoons to show to family because, for one, my family probably wouldn't get it. But, <laughs> so from the beginning, it was really important to to show it to people and, sure. and get an audience response. When did you start posting them online? Oh, uh, when they invented the internet. <laughs> Jeez, when uh, probably the first things I posted were ninety nine. No, I don't know. Early, or really. So basically, early, but as early soon on. As, yeah, soon as, as soon as YouTube came, came around, around, you were like, yeah. "Oh fuck yeah!" Yeah, I would. This is perfect. I was on it. Um, I think I had some people posting stuff for me before, even before YouTube. There might have been a few things. On, oh yeah, it was on a site called Blastro. Oh wow, Blastro. They used to play dance videos and all kinds of like club stuff, and then they played my cartoons. Oh cool. So, but they were connected with that Conduit Fest as well. Sure. So. Huh. That's 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 my uh, historical beginnings. Secret origin of Jim Luhan. <laughs> um, so I guess do you want to talk about two things we can do? We can either talk about some specific cartoons, specifically John Henry Unicorn, which is my favorite one. Yes. Or uh, do you want to talk about the Bill Plimpton stuff first, or you want to do that at the end? Or let's tease the audience with okay. my, my stuff, and then we'll lead. To the climax of Bill Plimpton. Of the, of the William Plimpton? Yes, yes. We'll get all Plimpton out. So I met you, I think, online. On, Javier Hernandez had like a podcast. So and I think, I think we were both guests on the podcast on like a DIY self-publisher roundtable thing where it was like you, me, and a couple other people. 
and we were oh, talking yeah, about like how right. basically just how to make shit on your own. Right. And there was another guy in there who I don't remember his name who was really like the definition of mansplaining before mansplaining <laughs> was a thing. He was like an older white dude, and he was like. Uh, the, I, the, my main memory from this phone call was that this guy was convinced that the Phantom Lady from DC Comics mm-hmm. was the next big, like, female-centric, you know, the, the one with the tits out mm-hmm. uh, from the 30s is, was the next big female superhero that they should market the Phantom Lady to little girls because his daughter loved the Phantom Lady and had no concept of what anecdotal evidence was. He was like, no, every little girl loves the Phantom Lady. Like, are you kidding? Right? We gotta make cartoons for broads, right? Yeah, yeah. It was broads. And like I remember being too. trapped on the phone call after we had stopped recording. I remember being trapped on the phone call with you and me and a couple other people, and you and me both like just basically hurling insults at the guy, but him not realizing that we were making fun of him. I uh, think I remember that we were very catty back then. Yeah, um, we've totally matured. Ew. Um. Yeah, I, I just think it's for one. I think comics, uh, the way they portray women, is really ridiculous for the most part. It's media, always has in, media been. in general. Yes, uh, you yourself is ridiculous. I've seen yeah. you on the street. Yeah, um, but I think it's really it's it's become the norm, and it's when somebody when they began breaking out of that mold, it became this special thing. Mm-hmm. Look, it's a special thing. She's not, you know. Her, you know, her tits aren't flying everywhere, and she's not wearing little tiny. This is a special thing, and it shouldn't be. It should be that. Sh- that should be the norm. There should be yeah. a variety, at least. Yeah. Um, so what I'm saying is, if you re- if you read comic books, you're totally a misogynist. Yeah, me too. So. That's exactly what I'm saying. Um, um, but yeah, so the first and the first thing I saw from you, uh, I don't remember if it, it wasn't San Giorno because that's more recent. No, but I feel like it was old. it was one with a was there a, there's one with a, a disc jockey and a party. Yeah, yeah. I feel That's, like I did a cartoon called DJ Disrespect. Yes, and it was about oh God. What city did it take place? All my cartoons mostly take place in Southern California. I think it was like in Torrance or something like that. I, I don't remember, but this for no explained reason. This DJ he does house parties has an English accent, really bad English accent, and he's doing these you know parties with you know hardcore cholos and things like that and. And he's talking like this, and he's like he's spinning discs, and uh, that was that was probably you're right. That was around the time I met you, and and then after that, soon after that, uh, I did your favorite cartoon That's of all time. My favorite cartoon that you've ever made. Tell the people what it is. It's called John Henry Unicorn. Yes, and it's a cultist style, mm-hmm. like Southern uh, cult leader called John Henry Unicorn. Yeah, uh, and you. The, the reason I love it so much is, one, because it's actually a really great uh, short story. Like, it's a very, it's got a nice twist at the end. It's got a fun beginning, middle, and end. You know, it's very, mm-hmm. uh, it's not just like a scene from a movie or right. something. It's a very well thought out little story. Uh, but the reason I really love it, if I'm honest, is the song. There's yes. a song that accompanies John Henry Unicorn whenever he goes anywhere. Yes, the John Henry Unicorn he, theme. Yes. Yeah. Which is something along the lines of, John Henry Unicorn. And it's like a solid three minutes of that through the whole movie. (laughs) It's kind of like if John Denver was a Scientologist. It sounds a little bit like that. Um, And John Henry Unicorn is basically a kinder, gentler, uh, as sadistic uh, Jim Jones-ish character. Yeah. 
Yeah, he's a cult leader, and and it's kind of making light of just all types. I didn't want to pick one particular one, so it's got elements from a lot of different uh, organizations, let's say, mm-hmm. and a little bit of George W. Bush thrown in there yeah, too. I yeah. think. Mm-hmm. Um, although I think George. W. Bush, in a weird way, is probably nicer than than John Henry Unicorn. <laughs> well, John, George W. Bush does it. He just uh, he just spends his time painting dogs now. Where I'm sure that John Henry Unicorn's out there somewhere, fucking murdering someone. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, we, you and I bonded over that cartoon. I was very pleased to f- that I found my audience with you. Yeah. on that cartoon. How many shorts have you made? Because you've made because uh, you made a feature as well, yeah, uh, which we can yeah. talk about in a second. But how many shorts have you made? You made a fuck. I load. have done. Pro- I, I counted the last time I counted was probably a couple years ago, and it was at it was over fifty. I've done pro- so right now. It's probably probably like fifty six short cartoons, one feature, and then a couple of like like twenty minute cartoons, maybe three or four twenty minute cartoons. I, I'm such a dope. I do I do things backwards so often. I when I first started doing animation, I jumped like my second or third animation was a fifteen minute long Damn. animation. Um I didn't work my way up to it. I just like, oh I guess I want to. <laughs> you know, and I and that's around the time when I had the public access T V show. So that I needed to fill time. So I just did a fifteen minute mini epic. So, how did you get that show? Did you just apply? I don't even know how that works. Um, it was, uh, it was like you see. walk into the room I, you and you're know like, what? I, I want a public access you show. You are joking, but that is actually the truth. I walked into Buenavision Studios in East LA. I don't think they're there anymore. Um, a guy named Richard was with was with this uh, t- television program called Illegal Interns, but he also worked there. And I, I walked in with a, what is it called, three-quarter inch tape, mm-hmm, big mm-hmm, thick mm-hmm. tape, um, with my cartoons on it and said, hey, you guys do public access here. I'd, I'd love a show. And he went, oh. And he wasn't, I think his feet were up on the console. He wasn't doing anything. He's like, yeah. So he plugged it in and he watched it right there. And he's laughing, really laughing. He's like, all right, yeah. Um, you got any more of these? You know, okay. and I, yeah. I, and I didn't. And, and so he played that. They played that for a couple of weeks and I came back. A couple weeks later with like three or four more new short cartoons and then that was episode two and then i had to scramble and do a 15 minute cartoon and so i was really productive this first like month or so yeah did um, you have anybody helping you or is it just no you? it was just me but th- back then that's when they were animatic as well mm. they were just stills they were weird really weird um but uh, i had such a good time doing that and i probably did i don't know maybe six or seven episodes that just rotated heavily for mm. like two years and I was getting emails back then, back wow. in my Earthlink yeah, yeah, email yeah. address. The SBCglobal.net yeah, days. Yeah. So that was my – right off the bat, I always connected with audiences. Like I always mm-hmm. wanted to connect with audiences. Um, and I did that for a couple of years. And then after that, um, slowly started I, – I got into Spike and Mike, Sick mm-hmm. and Twisted, mm-hmm. in 2006, I think. Um, and that was surreal. That was the scariest day of my life, just about. Um, Why? Because because you know I don't you've been a sick and twisted film festival. If they don't like something there, they will like Big boo, boo. Mm-hmm. like just you know they'll they will pitchfork you to death. And I got to watch it in Hollywood on a Saturday night, and I'm sitting in a the theater, and it was a cartoon I did called Mama I'm a Thug, a little short about a little um, upper middle class Orange County teenager that 
was like a little thug. Yeah. You know, a lot of that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and there was a lot of, you know what I'm saying? A lot of that. <laughs> and uh, so I watched this and, and, the, and it started and they started giggling and then they laughed. Then they had big laughs. I think by the end of it, I got probably the second best response of the night. Wow. It was really, I thought, I leave and I'm like, I'm quitting my job. I'm divorcing my wife. I'm going to get plastic surgery. I'm changing I'm get my a name. Penis extension. I'm going to get ex- penis extensions. <laughs> and I wear them in my hair. And I thought I was flying high on, yeah. after that. I walked out of that theater thinking, like, oh, I am the shit. At least in my head, I thought that. For about li- for 20 minutes, I thought that. And then, and then reality sets in. What, what brought you back down? Just, I, I'm by nature, I'm not a. Um, I'm not a very overconfident or a very, uh, I don't assume that I'm the shit, you know, when I walk into a room, you know, um, but I think that's a lot of creative people are like that. I think, I Mm -hmm. think they have their moments where they're like, yeah, motherfucker. Yeah. And then they, life is so hard, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, mean, that, that kind of, it's what makes you, if you're always on one side, then you're, you're Kanye. Yeah. So, which I'm trying to work my way to be Kanye, but you know, so far. <laughs> so far, you're stuck here talking to me. Yeah, yeah so far I'm Weird Al. Is there so is there a str- uh, is there a cartoon that you think embodies the Jim Luhan animation? I, you know thing? what? I, I do. I do. I think like the first one that comes to mind is a cartoon I did called San Giorno Must Die, and it actually it was a series on Titmouse. With, um, excuse me, on the Rugburn channel on YouTube. If you check that out. Um, and that was run by Titmouse and Six Point Harness. And what it is, it's a very 80s feel, kind of Giorgio Moroder, if you know who that mm-hmm. is. Uh, DJ, he's kind of mixed with a little bit of Yanni thrown mm-hmm. in. And I loved it because it's so Euro disco. And I'm a huge new wave Euro disco synth pop fan growing up, you know, and I liked all of that. But at the same time, it's very Brian De Palma, so very cinematic, over serious, kind of a. Um, kind of like Moonbeam City before Moonbeam City. Sure. Lawsuit. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> and it's kind of like with the shades, you know. Well, also, like, I feel like the, in that specific series, you push not only, like, really black, dark uh, shadows and stuff, because mm-hmm. a lot of it takes place in, like, nightclubs and that kind of shit, yeah. but also the, like, there's something about the way that your style of literally putting pen to paper and drawing meshes with, like, um, strobe lights and, like, you know, having like yeah. sweeping uh, like spotlights and yeah. that, that kind of stuff. It, it, I don't know why, but yeah, it feels... I, know what I know what you're talking about. It's 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 kind of like when you um, like here at Meltdown tonight. I was looking at some of the comics out there. The ones that are really just super glossy and and very slick, and then the content is slick. It doesn't do that much for me. But when I see something that's real choppy, but they're telling an epic story, but it looks choppy and made mm-hmm. in the garage, mm-hmm. there's some kind of character to that yeah. that really speaks to me. Um, do you know who's been a like a total guru for me? Is the head of Titmouse, uh, Chris Pernowski. Mm-hmm. Fantastic guy. He he gave me the best advice when I first... For, uh, he actually um, discovered San Giorno. I mean, he called me because of San Giorno, and that's how we, we developed the friendship. And, and he told me early on, he goes, no, that's kind of the charm of your stuff, that it's real scratchy and real homemade, but yet it's, like, epic, too, at mm-hmm. the same time. Mm-hmm. So it is that juxtaposition that makes it kind of interesting, at least to me. Um, and uh, 
But uh, yeah, if, I don't know. I think if I think if my stuff was a few levels higher, if I really tried and to make it really good animation, it would just look like low grade good animation. I'd rather it be really cool, crappy animation. Right. You know, if that makes sense. Yeah. 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 Um, I think that dovetails nicely into your collaboration with Mr. Plimpton. Yes, Mr. Bill Plimpton. Uh, uh, Bill Plimpton, for anybody who doesn't know, is kind of the Martin Scorsese of independent yeah. animation. Homie's made, what, 11 feature films? Shit, I don't know. He, he's definitely, the, I, I believe him to be the king of indie animation. Even before yeah. I ever met him, I, I recognize that. And I mean, it's it's fucking crazy to me that you're that you've not even that you're making, but you, you have successfully made a movie with him. Isn't that weird? It's yeah, fucking weird because I've known you <laughs> fucking forever. Yeah, yeah. And I think one time we were at San Diego, and you even I ran into you on the floor, and you were like, "I just met Bill Plimpton." Yeah, isn't that that's like wow? I met Bill Plimpton, and now you know. Sleeping that's on like, the floor. Yeah, that's like if I like woke up in five years and all of a sudden I'm making a book that James Stokoe is drawing, or yeah. like you know, you know what I mean? Like the person that I like love the most. It's almost like you're one day interviewing Jim Lujan on a. It's podcast. almost one day like I'm interviewing Jim Lujan on my a indie animation idol on yeah. a podcast. And and the way that that happened, the word that comes to mind is always organic because because I never asked Bill Plimpton for a thing ever ever ever, and it happened. Because I met him through um, a friend and gave him my DVD, and he watched the DVD way later. Um, when Bill tells the story of how we met, it's always that I come up to him at Comic-Con and go, Hi, Bill, I'm a big fan. Which I, I never, I don't think I ever actually did that, but I did give him a DVD, I think, once at Comic-Con. Um, and years later, like, like three, four years later... Um, I'm in a hotel room and I'm interviewing him with, on the Man vs. Art podcast. And I gave him my DVD and then saw him a couple times later and then he ran into him or he ran into that mutual friend and said, Hey, is your friend Jim going to come to the Annie Awards? And I did go to the Annie Awards and we hung out. And from then on, it was sweet lovemaking all night long. Um, he called me probably, I don't know, five months six months later and, and literally said on the phone um hey jim uh, it's bill you know hey i want to know if you're, you're interested in making a movie i was like wow yeah yeah like what like how like what do you mean and he said yeah he goes i'll um he goes i lo-. first of all he the, he started the conversation with the nicest compliments the nicest compliments and you know he said, "Oh, I love your voices, and they're great, and your characters are so rich, and you know your world. You know, I, I and I said, yeah, well, like, and I wasn't sure what he wanted me to do. Like, I'm not a good animator, really, not on his level. And he said, well, I'd like you to design it and write it. I want to use your voices. You can do the music if you want. You know what? And he said, I'll animate it, produce it, and direct it." And I was like, shit. <laughs> That's literally what I said right there. And then you passed the fuck out. I said, well, how much money we talking, Bill? No. I, I, I was like, hell yes. Yeah, sign me up. I go, yes. Done. It's a done deal. And then the next phone call was, I talked to him uh, like a couple days later, and I said, no, you know what, Bill? You pick the characters. Like, you, you like my world or whatever? You pick the characters. Because I don't want to say, here's, what I, here's a story I want you to tell. Because I wanted him to be really into it. So he, he picked a handful of characters. And he liked a biker gang that I created called the Inland Emperors. He liked that. He, liked a, uh, he really liked a character that I did. This, this 
kind of detective bounty hunter guy called Rod Rossi, the one man posse. So I said, <laughs> Bill, we're going to we're going to do a story that's uh, it's kind of kind of Tarantino, a little bit, a little bit Coen Brothers, a little bit, um, you know, pulp novel, you know, kind of that d- detective feel. But in L.A. and uh, just real, you know, that that cheesy, you know, oh, I said the one condition I had was um, I want to have really funky like 70s soundtrack you know that type of music because at first bill said he goes yeah you could put some like spanish music in it and i'm like I don't, I don't do spanish music bill i can barely speak any spanish you know so he was on board with that so we have a really funky 70s was there album. ever a moment where i mean how did you navigate the rights aspect of that of like who would own i mean they're your characters so was that you know what that's a... kind of the that was the foundation that we built it on because i said well bill as long as i like by doing this don't give up rights to the characters like you know uh, as rights to the actual characters like if i want to do a rod rossi series it's mine if i want to do a you know inline emperors you know t-shirts it's my bill has been fantastic when it comes to that i mean he's really 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 you know um like everything's give and take, but he hasn't really taken, you know, anything. So, um, so we've we've been from day one really good on that. And I've also learned. Also, the the name of the movie is oh, is Revengeance, which is like, how do we get fifteen minutes into talking about this goddamn movie and not say the title? <laughs> It'd be great if we just talked about the thing, and never mention it. Yeah, um, and but, it was. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. What you're going to well, say? Well, yeah. He, um, so that that was established early on. Um, the the work method that we we established early on was it was so loose it's been so great like i kept almost subconsciously waiting for a speed bump and there never was any it was just the whole thing was a smooth i, I think because he thinks a lot like i do mm. you know we're, we're both i mean which can be good and can be bad because we're both really lazy on certain things that that would help us mm-hmm. um there's a toilet paper thing again. Uh-huh, uh-huh, but uh-huh. And there's other things that we're really good on that people have problems with and they become roadblocks and, and we just fly right over them because we think alike mm-hmm. in a lot of ways like that. Um, did, what was the writing process like? How long did it take you to write the script? And did, did he have any significant changes I, on it? Or I wrote the script. I wrote a breakdown of here. this happens, this happens, and this happens. I did that. It took me maybe a month to do that maybe a month and a half to do that. And then the script, the actual dialogue took way less than that. It took, that was like three weeks, the actual dialogue. Mm-hmm. Cause I knew I had the roadmap of where it's going. Um, I'm trying to think if he had any, um, things that he wanted to change. Yes. He wanted to put a sexy lady in it. You know, um, he's a lot, he's a lot more R rated than I am. You know, I mean, in, in personal life, when we're joking together, we're, we're both terrible. We're NC-17. Like, yeah, we cannot... Yeah, yeah. It's horrible. We should be locked up. But well, the stuff we put out there in public... Well, I don't know. You're... Just sometimes you borderline NC-17. <laughs> but the stuff I put out is usually PG-13. Yeah. It's because I had a complex about my parents growing up, seeing my stuff, I think. So... <laughs> so, but... Um, but he's... Yeah, he doesn't care. He, he does not care. He just... He'll put whatever out. He doesn't censor himself at all. And he kind of like I think part of him enjoys you know fucking with people a little bit. I think mm-hmm. he, I think he kind of likes the whole making people uncomfortable uh, with his humor, mm. you know. And 
I, that makes sense. Did yeah, he just make a Hitler movie? Yes, he did. Yes, that was before me. I, I came on right when he was finishing that. It was the Hitler fall, Hitler's His, folly. Hitler's folly, yeah. Yeah, because that always goes over well. Yeah, right? yeah, no risk there. Kids love Hitler movies. Yeah. There's one thing you learn in animation. It's, yeah, he got a lot of flack from even from his own studio. A couple people left left his studio, and I kind of always told him. I said, "Hey, you know, like he never he never turned to me and said, Jim, is this the right thing I'm doing?' Yeah, you know, he didn't care. He just he wanted to do it, and he did it. And I always said, "Well, yeah, do your thing, do your thing. You know, I'll be over here making my San Giorno series. You know, mm-hmm. um, that's actually when the Revengeance stuff started mm. right when I was finishing Revengeance, uh, San Giorno, I think. So it was a and it got funded through Kickstarter. Yeah, right? yeah, we did a Kickstarter, and that's the other thing. I, I was, I was involved with Bill's Kickstarter. He was just coming off two, I think, successful Kickstarters, and then we asked for nine, no, eighty thousand, and I was like totally nervous about. It. I'm like, am I going to be the one guy that ruins Bill Plimpton's? Kickstarter, yeah, know? yeah, totally. That would be like, oh yeah, everything was great till Jim fucked everything up. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you're that, oh, that Jim, Jim Lujan. Lujan. Oh. oh, I've heard so many things <laughs> about you. Hi, nice to meet you. Um, but we did it, and when we met the goal again, I felt really like satisfied and happy. What he does with the money is—I don't want to say it's not, I'm not saying it's his business, but it literally is his business because mm-hmm. he's taking care of the studio. He's paying these people. He's putting it in festivals, and they you burn through money quick on 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 his level. There's so many things I'm sure that that people making films realize. Like, yeah, that's right. It's not cheap to promote a film or to you know. And we're not the film's not even out in America yet. So um, so if you guys yeah, can all send me its, like ten bucks, it's had its France. Yes, the film is, the film on paper came out in 2016, like we promised. Um, it premiered in France, and it got a standing ovation. We have wow. footage of it, if you don't believe us. Uh, it, it got a standing ovation in Paris, um, but that's because there was a fire in the building, and everybody was... <laughs> but that uh, aside, um, it also played in two places. In, it played two places in, in France, and then it played two places in Spain, and then it played in Armenia. Yeah, I'm big in Armenia, man. Bro. I'm fucking huge in Armenia. I'm huge, bro. You don't know me. I'm fucking. <laughs> I'm fucking Jim Luhan. Bro. It goes, it goes. System of a Down, then Jim Luhan, <laughs> and, and then Araxia Carpathian. <laughs> Those three are the yeah. So, um, but uh, yeah. So, and then next, it's going to be. Oh, and it played. I think it it was played in Holland, or it's going to play in Holland. Um, and I wanted to go to that. I really want to go to Holland. But next year, 2017, is when I'll be traveling for it. Because mm. well, I'm going to Annecy, baby. Yeah, motherfucker. Annecy, there's nothing stopping me. I don't we care about Homeland Security. They don't, they don't know what, what they say. Uh, Annecy is in France. And it's on a lake. And it's a film festival. It's an animation festival. And they play really cool animation there. And it's on a lake. And it's in France. So what more also, do you, did I mention more, that it's on a lake? Did I mention that I'm going? Because I am. <laughs> so my wife and I said, no matter what, that's going to be our vacation. We'll probably have to pay for our own room and yeah. board and flights, but who cares? Yeah. But um, and Chicago, which sounds ridiculous, but I've never been to Chicago. I want to go to Chicago. I'm going to Chicago for the first time this year as well. Really? Yeah, for C2E2. Tell me what it's like. Okay. Okay. Um, when are you going? I'm whenever we play in Chicago. Oh, okay. I don't know. It'll be next year. Oh, okay. So 2017 is going to be the year where you know I pr- I purposely haven't watched Revengeance in about three months at all 
because I was so sick of watching it. I sure, watched it. Yeah, you watched I must have cuts, seen it yeah. 35, 40 times. Yeah. Because every time they would do a different edit. And I also learned that how intricate sound and editing and they, like, they would just, man, they would kill themselves over like, oh, no, it's a fraction of a hair. And where I'm coming from, the place where like, oh, it's done. It's good enough. Yep. First edit, done. You know. And they really like spent their time, it's just, which is nice. I'm glad somebody is. But uh, I don't think like that. Mm-hmm. I think good, good enough is good enough. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so enjoy my animation, everybody. <laughs> uh, when, when you guys are all done with this process, is this going to be something that is existentially calming to you? That you can say... <sighs> Because at this point, I mean, not to talk shit on the 50 other movies that you've made, but at yes, this point, yes. like, if you were hit by a bus tomorrow, this is what your life would be. It'd be like Jim Lujan, fucking co-creator of Re- Revengeance. Struck like, he made a dead movie. by a bus. Yeah. We will mourn In front him. of Meltdown Comics. Yeah. Coincidentally, Dave Baker was driving the bus. <laughs> Authorities are looking into it. I'd much rather be struck by it than thrown under it. So thank hey, there you. you go. Um, like, do you, is that something that's existentially common? No, I don't... I'm, I, I don't really... My mind doesn't operate in that. My mind is just... You know, girls just want to have fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just want to have fun all the time. I don't really think about... Um, well, my legacy... There is, I don't know, there are times where I do look back and go, I, I kind of go in, like, I get in phases. I get really into a, a television show for four or five months and then I move on. And I, I get like that with my own stuff. Um, so I don't really, I, I don't, immediately when I finish one project, even before I'm done, I'm already like, well, man, I want to do the next one instead. Totally. Like, I want to be done with this and do the next one. I'm sure a lot of creatives out there do the same um so i don't even think about that the legacy i guess you could say i i I do think about the branding like will will this go with the other stuff i've done and how does this fit in with the other body of work that i've created i've always felt that's important but i don't know i don't i don't think i'm gonna leave legacy to the historians david (laughs) that's basically what i'm saying no but i mean i i guess i I remember one time you were having a conversation with somebody, it might have even been me, where you were saying, man, all I want to do is just, you know, write a movie and then have somebody else animate it. It was you. Was it? It was you and you had the greatest, greatest quote. And I tell people about this still. I think we were at San Diego Comic-Con and we were walking around at at 2 a.m. And I said, I don't know, we're talking about ultimate goals. And I said, my ultimate goal is to design a movie, write it. Um, maybe storyboard it, voice most of it, a lot of it. I want to do the music to it too, but I don't want to draw it. I want to have somebody else draw it and animate it, but kind of in my style. And you're like, dumbass, that's what you've just done with Bill Plimpton. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I, I never even thought about that. See, I, it's weird. It's like um, you don't realize it till somebody else points it out. Again, with the toilet paper. <laughs> <laughs> No, but I think that that's something – I mean, I don't necessarily know if I'm good or bad at having perspective in those things. But I definitely ask myself those questions because even if I don't necessarily have an answer, something that I think is beneficial to think about. Yeah. You know, it's, to try to, get your, try to get your head out of the work. Even if it's get your head out of the work 
to think about the work in a bigger like you were talking about in branding in terms of like how how do I market Jim Lujan the individual not just San Giorno not just uh, John Henry Unicorn not just uh, fucking uh, insert any of the other characters yeah. right uh, Light Eyes or whoever mm. like. I need, a, I need a manager. That's what it is. Because if you have a manager, they tell you, you know, hey, you're this, or they, this is going to be good in that. I would yeah, but assume. Yeah, but there's still an individual, too. And there's, yeah. there's something to be said for, yes, when you have a manager, you have somebody working off of their perception of who they think you are, but maybe that's not what you want to do. Like, let's say, you know, uh, McGee, he directed Charlie's Angels, Charlie's mm-hmm. Angels Full Throttle, both fuck-off terrible movies. His manager, I'm sure, was like... Dude, let's just make Charlie's Angels 3 and cash the fuck in. But he went around and was like, no, you know what I want to do? I want to direct Terminator Salvation. I want to make a Terminator movie. I want to change, and I want to be a really hard action director. Had to go to fucking Christian Bale and be like, Christian, there was a time where you were just that kid from that Spielberg movie, and somebody gave you a chance to change Mm -hmm. and show a different side of yourself. I need that chance. Believe in me. And Christian Bale was like, all right, dude, let's do it. And they fucking failed. Like, that movie's dog shit because McGee shouldn't have been directing that movie because that's not who he is. Mm. But he tried, and I respect that. Yeah. Like, I'm going to try and reinvent myself. Yeah. Um, I think I'm flexible enough to do something like that, something uh, different, to step outside of a, a comfort zone. Like, would you ever want to direct live-action stuff? Oh, yeah. I, I In fact, I started out wanting to be a live-action director. Um, what kind of... Uh, derailed that a little bit was the logistics. You have to have actors, and you have to have people show up, and you have to film out in public, mm-hmm. and you have to, you know, permits and money, and yeah, the permits are always sketchy, but yeah, yeah, money, yeah, mm-hmm. and it's I love live action. In fact, when I get with other animators, a lot of times I feel like the odd man out because I'm not that knowledgeable on in, in animation. Like when I have conversations with Bill sometimes about classic cartoons. I I just kind of go, oh yeah, you mean like underdog, yeah, and, <laughs> and oh, you mean like wacky races? Yeah, oh. I have like limited vocabulary when it comes to a lot of animation. I'm very appreciative of classic animation, and and sometimes some of the things I like are considered uh, they're deemed you know cool to like, but sometimes they're not, mm-hmm. and and I don't know, I I. I going back to the live action. Yes, I would love to do live action. In fact, I would love to to take some of my stories and one day do them live action. I'd be totally comfortable doing it. Um, but, but you got to give me some money because right. yeah. I'm not going to do it with my phone. <laughs> uh, have you since you know? I mean, the callous career oriented individual in me sees the Bill Plimpton connection and sees movie premiering all over the world or whatever, and it. That, to me, sounds like a launching pad into something. I like that, that you're saying that. Yeah, I need to hear that. I Stroke that ego, boy. Stroke it. <laughs> Does it do, you, do you have something lined up? Or are no. you trying? <laughs> are you trying, actively yes. trying to get in rooms yes. and pitch I'm gonna something? Put, I'm going to put this out there right now. I, I've always dreamed, dreamt of doing a San Giorno um, series for, like, Netflix or a movie. And if I do, I'm calling you Chris Pronowski at Titmouse. Yeah. So once I get that budget, I'm calling you. Um, I think that would be – that's something that comes to mind. Um, I've always kind of lived in the unexpected. I, I don't have a career path. I couldn't have told you 
five years ago, I'm going to make a movie with Bill Plimpton. It's fucking crazy. And then, you know, I'm going to make the next Star Wars film. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Which is going to happen. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I like to kind of ad lib my career, which is a horrible plan. Don't ever do that. Please have a, a, a game plan. Um, but I do need to kind of experience a little bit of, uh, of the recognition side, I guess, of it to kind of like. Get, oh, you as an to individual give me needs the you need the rewards to put into the engine to be like, all right, and now I'm going to call 17 agents and tell them yeah, I made this movie with exactly, Bill Clinton and yeah. I want representation. Because it's funny. I mean, even in the sh- in the small amount that I've really in, in the big picture, in the small amount I've worked with Bill Plimpton, p- some people have. They're, they speak to you now. I'm, I will not name names, but I've ran into people in the animation industry who are respected. I met them five, six times before, you know, different events and things. And then now that I'm making a movie, and they never remembered my name. I was like, oh, hi, hey. And then now that I've met up with them, it was like, hey, Jim. Like they, were, they took the time Jim to remember with a, my with name. With like three eyes in it? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, these are, I'm, we're at orgies when this well, happens. Of course, yeah. But, you know. So it's and, like a, it's, there's an H and three eyes. And what did I tell you? There's no I in orgy, Dave. <laughs> Share. Okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I've seen a little bit of that. And that would be really, it would be kind of funny and cool if that happened. If, I mean, I don't know why. Like, do you have, let's say, I mean, the, uh, I read the, oh God, what's the fuck is his name? Um, Ed, Ed Burns. I read mm-hmm. the Ed Burns biography that he wrote about himself which is really interesting because i don't necessarily know that i love the movies that ed burns makes but i loved reading about the process of making those movies um because you know he was kind of big in the 90s Mm -hmm. uh he made a bunch of kind of like do-it-yourself movies one of the first one he made which he shot on 16 millimeter got into sundance and he was like all of a sudden like miramax you know poster child and then his second movie bombed and then he kind of like yeah. went into purgatory made a bunch of movies on his iPhone and then you know slowly but surely kind of now he has a show on TNT so but his first movie the agent that he signed with after the Sundance sale was like you need to have a script now that you want to do strike while the iron's hot mm-hmm. do you have something like that I mean you said San Giorno but like is I that have, an idea I have two or? scripts I've written I've got this, a San Giorno script um, and I've got a Freak Daddy, which mm-hmm. is another cartoon I'd mm-hmm. done. Then I got some older stuff, too, scripts that I worked on. They, I went through a writing phase where I was really like, hey, I'm a writer now. Um, after Revengeance, I immediately wrote a, the Freak Daddy movie because I wanted to have something that if somebody came to me and said, hey, kid, here's a billion dollars. Right, yeah. One billion. Yeah. Then I go, well, here's a script. And um, But I'm always constantly putting ideas together yeah so, um there i'm oh god this is this sounds so douchebaggy they do this on shows all the time i'm currently working on something that i can't mention right now <laughs> but i'm going to say it out loud so that you could look at me like wow really <laughs> but i am i'm working on something right now i can't say but very soon i will say I could be lying through my teeth right now. You don't even know. No, I don't even know. It's yet. huge. It's so much yeah, money. Yeah, it's called Fuck Dave Baker, <laughs> the unlicensed Dave Baker story. Yeah, so. Um, but, but yes, always have some ammunition in, in the gun belt because in case somebody yeah. in Hollywood comes calling, you're prepare, prepared. Is that something you're interested, though, in, in being a writer with a capital W in terms of, like, mm. really pursuing that? I never... Th- I, I never thought about it because I've never done it 
so I don't mm. know. I couldn't. I could if if Dave Baker got the um, the big call from Hollywood to do. Oh, they want to do a movie about a a cult leader and blah blah blah. And then you're like oh, John Henry Unicorn. You came to me. I'd be like, yes, I'm a screenwriter. Let's do it. Yeah. But I never thought about sitting down and writing a screenplay and then shopping it. You know, to Hollywood. Who knows? I I, I keep that door open because. I tell you, the most fun I ever had working on something, probably the most fun, was writing the Revenge script. It was so much fun to sit with my laptop at a coffee shop like a douchebag <laughs> and tat, 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 tick, click, 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 ooh, sip, sippy, sip, you know. And I was writing a script. And the, the thing that filled that with satisfaction was... Everything I was typing, I knew was going to end up on stage, on screen. Yeah, it wasn't just for like, well, maybe somebody will do something with this one day. It was like, this is reality. I could write anything I want right now, and it's going to be real. You yeah, it's a very. Me. I mean, that's such a. I mean, I hate to hesitate to use this word, but a very blessed situation. Like yeah. that just yeah. doesn't happen. Isn't that funny? Yeah, I know. So I hope the other part that just doesn't happen, like something else good happens, like that. Like Joel you know. Silver calls you yeah. tomorrow, and they're like, yeah. "We want to turn San Jono into a fucking action franchise." Yeah, there we go. Let's do it. Done. Done. Deal. Um, I really do. When, it, when we talked about branding a little bit yeah. earlier, I really do. All I hope to do is brand myself with stuff that is actually for whatever reason, funny and, and good. You know, that's really what I want it to be. I want it, I don't care how it gets there. I just want it to be good, mm. you know. So um, I will throw the ego out the window. I, would, I just want a good product that is associated with my name, mm-hmm. you know. Now ask me why I haven't done that so far. <laughs> Go ahead, say it. <laughs> you son of a bitch. Uh, maybe let's talk a little bit about your process. Just yeah. Because I feel like... The I, way you make things is not necessarily unconventional, but it's very utilitarian. It's very unconventional. It, in fact, I was talking with somebody earlier tonight. We're going to do a little short film on how I make my cartoons because on Instagram I have people asking me, hey, how do you do this and how do you do that? I could tell these animators that that are just beginning or they're, they don't know how to animate. I mean, they don't know the steps to how to animate. And I want to open it up to everybody. So I, I use my... I used to call it ghettomation. Mm-hmm. I use my ghettomation method, um, which is really basic. A lot of pen and paper, a little bit of digital. It's just a mixture of a lot of things. I I use Flash as an animator. I, I mainly use Photoshop to color and, and do effects and things. Um, I dabbled in After Effects, which is great. If I'm working with somebody else, I'm going to ask them to use After Effects. But if I'm doing it myself, I found the simpler the method the more um, the more direct line you have to that idea you keep the idea fresh there's less of a filter there's less steps that are, are watering it down you know the quicker it's almost like recording if you can record a song and you can you can capture it um, yeah you ever notice how thumbnails are sometimes better oh than, yeah than the finished product that's I'm just trying to release my thumbnails that's mm-hmm. what I do when I do the animation have you ever read any um Oh, God, what the fuck is his name? Sam Alden comics? No. You should look at Sam Alden. Sam he, Alden. He makes comics that are his thumbnails. He and uh, they Dave are is turning good. me on to new stuff as we speak. I told you this happens. They're really good. They're, like, I will. super atmospheric and very emotional. There's an energy in thumbnails. Oh, my God, that, yeah. They really, yeah. yeah. He draws all his pages this big. Wow. Yeah, he so. did a book called the rest of your life or something like that um where he drew it all on a plane 
He was coming back from somewhere, oh. like a five-hour plane ride, and did, like, 50 pages of thumbnails <laughs> and was like, man, I don't want to redraw all this bullshit yeah. and then just put it out. And everyone, like, on that, Tumblr lost their shit. That's how I felt. It, and, again, that's it just – it's the the – the audience, the readers, they just care about being entertained. Mm-hmm. They don't care about how much work you put into something unless it looks like you're phoning it in. Yeah. If, if it looks purposeful. Yeah. Like, if it looks like there's a choice behind it. An energy behind yeah. it. Yeah. That it, then that's all they really care about, which is that I see this happening to a lot of different artists where they, it's, they'll say, oh, man, that was my throwaway idea and that became the most popular thing I ever did. Mm-hmm. It's because they weren't so focused and they weren't tight about it they Mm -hmm. were just really loose and having fun with it that's something i've been thinking about a lot in terms of uh nicole and i have been offered a couple publishing contracts this year and so far we've turned them down there's one that's in limbo right now but we've turned them down because the contract stuff we couldn't really come to an agreement on was ancillary rights and how i'm not even necessarily like these aren't quote unquote my babies or something like that. Like, mm-hmm. but I'm just so paranoid about someone taking away what I think is going to be in a, a sacrificial lamb. Like, right. oh, I'm just going to make this book to get to I the know. next level, and then it explodes, and now I'm stuck with this thing that someone else has the film rights to, or right. someone else is going to make a shitty TV show starring Chloe Sevigny as a, you know, not something that I would cast Chloe Sevigny in. There's yeah. nothing, I don't know why I said Chloe Sevigny. Why I like do you her hate Chloe? I really like her as an actor. I don't know why I What said has she that. done to you? Um, but you know what I mean? Just that, like, I'm, I'm concerned with lack of control not in that I think anything that I do is going to mean anything to anybody Mm. but just in terms of like Siegel and Schuster just wanted Superman to get out there at any cost necessary and thankfully due to many lawsuits they've managed to get some chunk of that but they got fucked for a long time Dave I want you to listen to this successful Mexican right now and the success kicking. There is no, there's no middle ground. It's like you really kind of either have to just kind of balls out, just do it, or don't do it. Like, and and don't, not doing it is not a bad thing. Yeah, because it means that you just made a choice. But it's kind of like, yeah, I think it. Sometimes you just have to put stuff out there and take the risk and hope somebody else sees it mm-hmm. and and does something with it. Um, um, I don't know. It, it yeah. It uh, had I been, <laughs> had I been really um, overly cautious. I don't know if that's even a word. But if if I was that way with Bill Bill Plimpton, the whole situation, I would we would have never made a movie because mm. we've been. But then again, I mean, I know he thinks like I do, so it's like I'd be like, ah, I don't want to sign this. I'm tired, you know. But there's. A lot of common sense things that people would say, what? You guys didn't do what? You haven't done what? That would stop the process from going forward. Like contract, straight up signing contracts and stuff? Yeah, like self-respect. We'd have none, no self-respect, either one of us. <laughs> so, no, it just, it, it just depends. It really depends. And sometimes you just have to do it. Sometimes your future self yeah. has to come back and say, young David, just... Just do the thing. Yeah, but then again, it, if... It depends on the people you're dealing with, too, because if you don't trust them, there could be a good reason you don't trust them. I'm not saying you don't tr- trust these people, but um, if it's somebody that you're like, you know what, I, 
I just feel good about working in this situation, yeah. then maybe you would do it. Yeah, one of the contracts that we got offered was um, by some people who are in the industry not necessarily that far ahead of us. Mm-hmm. Um, and they couldn't, they were going to do a Kickstarter to print a collection of all three Fuck Off Squad books. And then they were going to submit it to Diamond. And they couldn't guarantee us Diamond distribution. So that's, I don't have control over the Kickstarter. Which means if things go sideways, I look bad. Yeah. So and that's... they couldn't guarantee me the only thing that really, why I, would I give you the rights to this if you're not even going to be able to guarantee me that my book is going to get out in the limited capacity that Diamond Distribution will be able to get it out. Yeah. Like, that's... Yeah, I mean... I mean, then not all the contracts have been like that, but that's right. one example of, like, this risk is not worth the reward. The reward is, right. like, this weird amorphous bullshit thing. Is it something you'd be writing in Nicole's drawing? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Are you having her right there? She's you, so much better than you, Dave. She is, man. She's... Everyone likes her more than you. She's so much... She's such a, such a better artist. She's... She's a better fighter than you. She's fucking rad. Um, what are you... I'm pulling this list out, Dave. Yeah? <laughs> this is so schlocky. And yeah. I know Dave would love this. Yeah. Can you hear the paper? Yeah. Um, Dave, this is a radio game I want to play with you real quick. Okay. Okay? Yeah. Mr. Zine guy? Yeah, yeah. Um, in my hand, I have a list of seven... Zines. Okay. All are f- are real zines except for one. Oh, God. I made the title up. Okay. And these are legitimate zines. Okay. Because Wikipedia does not lie. Okay. Okay. I want you got I want you and you can play too. Mr. Engineer. Aristotle. Um I will name these and I want you to tell me which one's the fake one. Alright. Okay. Are we going row by row? Like we're going like name one and then we have to say if it's real or fake? Um or do the whole list. You could do whatever. You just jump in when you feel comfortable. Okay. Okay. First one, and you might know one. And go. Yeah, that's real. Okay. Razor cake. It is real. I know razor cake. Good, Dave. Good. Black lesbian president. I do not know if that's real or not, but I want to read that if it's not real. H- hang on to that. Hang on. Okay. All right. Aristotle's thumbs up. He's saying that sounds real. Okay. Hang on to black lesbian president. Balsamic manhole. <laughs> Okay. All right. Okay. Here's the the next one. Pink sugar heart attack. Wow. Okay. All right. The next one. Pussy calculator. (laughs) Okay. And the last. Rad dad. Uh, I'm going to go with... And yes, that's six because I can't count. Yeah. I'm going to go with balsamic manhole. As being the fake? As being the fake. Aristotle. Aristotle. All I got to say is, God damn, that DJ made my day. That's right. That's right. I made up balsamic manhole. <laughs> and you can have that as a zine title. Oh, man. Balsamic manhole. So there really is a pussy calculator. That's amazing. And a rad dad and a pink sugar hot attack. Also, I need to find black Black lesbian, lesbian president. president. That sounds amazing. Yeah, and razor cake. That's actually Donald Trump's uh, zine that he came yeah. out with yeah, yeah, in yeah. 1996. Mm-hmm. It was in his independent alternative phase. Yeah. Um, oh, but uh, guys, remember to get issue seven of Balsamic Manhole. <laughs> Coming to a shop near you. Features a cover by Kurt Vonnegut. <laughs> I don't even know how to say that, that, that guy's name. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Um, so uh, I obviously met you through the internet, but we became friends really from doing 
uh, convention stuff because mm-hmm. uh, we would see each other around at all the California shows, um, it, both back when I lived in Arizona and since I lived out here. But you recently have stepped away from conventions. Yes, I was uh, pushed away by the lack of success, uh, you could say. Um, I did maybe five Comic-Cons in a row. Well, I would go to Comic-Con as a, just as a citizen of the United States. As a civilian? As a civilian. And, and I, would, it, I would, every year, my attention span started getting, because it got more crowded. My attention span would get shorter and shorter. I'd be like, okay, I need to leave. Um, and, t- and then I th- then with Jose Cabrera who who did yes. Crying Macho Man and mm-hmm. does all kinds of crazy looking art and stuff. Friends of both of us, <clears throat> very good friend. Uh, we decided he had a table and he's had a table for years there. So we decided, well, let's split it. And we did have and we made a good team. So we began doing that. We just crack ourselves up behind the booth anyway. So we didn't kind of didn't care if we sold until maybe the fourth year. We we're like, God, this sucks. You know, we're not selling anything. My animation did not sell at Comic Con. I even had a television set a couple years where i was displaying it and i still wouldn't sell so and then and then towards the last year i think i ended up trying i just like totally sold out like look i'm drawing submariner you know (laughs) and nothing nothing so i just said you know what rather than getting the ego just beaten to death i'm just not gonna do comic-con and just keep doing what i'm i'm good at you know which is is internet and Film festivals and, and things like that, animation shows, and you know, softcore porn. Of course, yeah. So, Jim Luhan's softcore porn. So yeah, I, I am totally pro convention. If people want to do them, it, you, you might think about doing one one day. Dave. One day, one day I'll do one. Um, it's great. I mean, for those that it works for, it is. And then you do get a big ego boost because your your stuff's selling like crazy. I have friends that sell an insane amount. They sell them in one day more than I've I think I've sold the entire history of my comic-con um so it's for me it's a personal thing for me it's like yeah it's not it wasn't worth it to do it right um and then at the same time the the debate comes do you do you know um el monte con is that going to be worth it for you or do you just do new york comic-con yeah or do you do both and there's people that do both but it is definitely an interesting culture it's interesting to me though that you haven't really seen uh, dip, you know what I mean. Just in terms of like, yeah. I feel like every time somebody steps away from the fucking convention scene, somebody steps back in to fill their slot, and everybody forgets about that other person mm-hmm. like instantly. Yeah, which is something that kind of stresses me out sometimes, if I'm honest, because it's like if I'm not at every fucking convention, y'all don't know I exist. Yeah. Come on, motherfucker, come on. <laughs> but for you, I see you constantly around. I mean, and I don't even mean this like on Facebook, but I mean, no, I yeah. just mean like. The the revengeance thing, and like I see you going to film fests, and I see you not being negatively impacted by a lack of quote unquote connections made at conventions, because that's a that's like half of it. Half of it's yeah, selling stuff and being able to afford to go to the next thing, but yeah. most of it's being in the ecosystem. Yeah, I think it's it is branding. It's branding, branding, branding. Um, uh, I like to use examples a lot. If I was a basketball player, I would be Dennis Rodman because I'm not a good shooter. I'm not a good uh, free throw shooter. I'm, I'm, I'm a rebounder. That's it. Rebounder defense. That's it. He's a basketball player, Dave. Just in yes, case you no, didn't know. I'm very aware. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> but I, I'm. I was actually just thinking about him like two days ago after that movie really? that he made with uh, Jean Claude Van, Van, Van Damme. Yeah, double yeah. trouble. Double like double. Double Trouble? No. Double Penetration. <laughs> yes, yeah, Double yes. Penetration. I love that movie. That's a great movie. Yeah. Um, 
But yeah, I'm, so I'm a role player. I definitely know that mm. when it comes to my animation and a career of creativity, I'm a role player. I do a certain thing. And I think with the Comic-Con, what it did is it kind of put the spotlight on that for me. Go back. But is that also back just to where you're you going to the from. wrong convention? Like, should you be going to Zine Fests instead of going to fucking San Diego goddamn Comic-Con? Yeah, you're probably right. You probably are correct. Because, uh, yeah, because my stuff's definitely, yeah, yeah, it was too weird for, for Comic-Con, yeah. I think. And, and what happens is, like, gives me fuel because, so I'll become famous and then they'll look back and go, God, Jim was at that, fe- that, that Comic-Con and I didn't stop at his booth. Look, there's a photo of me. Mm-hmm. There's a photo of Standing me across with from him. Teenage Staring Mutant Ninja way. Turtle and there's Jim in the background crying. It's, I feel so bad. Um, zine fests, I think, stuff like that would actually be more my audience, mm-hmm. you know. But again, stepping back, I just looked at what I'm good at and decided just to focus on that and yeah. in a happy way. I wasn't even sad about leaving Comic-Con. I, I still go back to Comic-Con. Yeah. We, do a re- we did a Revengeance panel last year, and we did Bill Plimpton's regular panel the year before. Yeah. And I think next year we'll probably do a real – maybe I hope to play Revengeance at Comic-Con. That'd be cool. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I don't know. And, and, and this whole last year has been about getting back to doing what I'm – like my own stuff, too, at the same time. How Jim got her groove back. <laughs> How Jimmy got his groove back, yes. Yeah. And <clears throat> so, I don't know. My, the, everything sums up with know your role. That's mm-hmm. my so, – oh, no, I'm sorry. It's slow your role. No, it's know your role. No, wait. <laughs> That's interesting, though. I feel like most of my entire life is the exact opposite of that. It's really? people attempting to be like, oh, you're this, and me being like, go fuck yourself. <laughs> so that's interesting that you have managed... You have know. a lot of fight in you. I've always known that about you. Like, you, if you were in prison, you would kill somebody the first day just to show... Or I'd my- get raped to death in my attempt of killing somebody. <laughs> I'd, like, pick a fight with somebody, they'd flip me over and Wait. R- and fuck me, and it would, like, burst my intestines and I would die. Rape to death. Zine or not a zine. <laughs> um, you, you have a lot of fight in you. Like, when people... When you're slighted or, or you feel wronged, oh, my God. It's, the, it's like that wind-up toy. There goes Dave. You know, you fight back. And with me, I don't think I do. I think I just like, wow, that was really mean. You know, um, I don't, I don't know. I don't have like, I, I think I go, I don't like confrontation a lot. Hmm. You know, um, I, I kind of like, I'm a, if I was an animal, I would be a tree sloth probably. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, definitely. I, I admire that in you. I mean, you. Definitely stand up for yourself. I mean, no, this was not me fishing for compliments or something. I'm just, it's interesting that someone in an inherently competitive industry, like any of the creative arts, mm. like you, anybody who like gets discouraged just doesn't belong here. Yeah. Like I was talking with somebody the other day who their panel or their pages were reviewed. He was trying to be an illustrator. His pages got reviewed by Eric Larson and Eric Larson was mean to him. Or gave him a bad review, and he stopped making comics. And my initial reaction was not one of sympathy. My initial reaction was, good, you're not supposed to be here then. Sorry. Like, it's fucking hard to make shit. And if you're, if somebody saying, maybe you're not where you need to be, doesn't put a fire under your ass, then you're probably not meant to do it. Yeah. And that's not to say that I'm not a supportive person. Like, I'm super nurturing of other people's creativity. I like people 
um, from different backgrounds, making weird, different stuff. Maybe even it's not even good. I bought a ton of comics that I yeah. don't like <laughs> just because I want to support the individual. Right. But there's something to be said of owning up to an individual's sense of no, fuck you, I'm here and you can't ignore me. Yeah. Where some people just don't have that. And I get, it's the, I, get I get the backhanded compliment all the time. I get, um, you know, the dismissal I can tell that people dismiss, you know. But ultimately, I come from a place that is a really dark, dark, dark sense of humor. And ultimately, I realize that, well, oh, they just don't get it. It's like oh, not everybody yeah, likes absolutely. Andy Kaufman, let's say. Yeah, absolutely. So I kind of cling to that. Like, um, But yeah, I mean, it would be a lot easier if I was doing Nickelodeon-type characters and people would graft onto it like that. But um, I prefer having a serial killer audience. I prefer <laughs> having... I mean, you and me both. Bit. Yeah, I like yeah. making weird stuff too, which is why I, we've had this conversation multiple times where it's like my ultimate goal is necessarily not to work for on Spider-Man. Yeah, I think I am ultimately a little bit more subversive than you because you're, I think, out there. Like people open their book and they go, ooh, oof, you know, come on. Come on, Tristan, let's go. Oh, yeah. You know, they, they, they run yeah. from your booth. Yeah. Whereas me, they're like, oh, what is this? Like, I don't know. Mm. We'll go home and watch it. And even when they watch it, they realize, I just feel like it's dirty now. I watched your cartoon. It's not dirty, but I feel dirty. I watched mm. your cartoon. It, sh- mm. it looks like it should be dirty. Mm-hmm. I, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas yours is more out, like, outright yeah. out there. And uh, um, again, that's kind of a, a cho- It's just a humor choice that yeah, yeah, it's absolutely. built into us. Yeah. We have that. Uh, do you does that sense of uh, inner calmness come from have you just always been that way or has that been a lesson that you've learned where you've been spurned or wronged or whatever and your initial reaction was one way and then over as you've kind of aged and matured you've been like no you know what this is the better way to handle this I think it comes from being the youngest of five kids by a long like nine years and watching brothers and sisters and older cousins go about life and going, oh, I want to do that. Oh, I don't want to do that. Oh, that's, oh, that, he looks really bad, right, doing that. So kind of like picking and choosing and kind of noticing, like, what works and what doesn't work. And, and that goes with, with people, too. I've always got along with people really well, all types. I have friends that are really right-wing, and I have friends that are really far left, and friends that are, that are in the, the negative zone, mm-hmm. you know, so... Um, I think I've always been a really good observer of behavior. And so I kind of try to apply that to my own perspective on things. So that includes criticism. You know, when I do get criticism, um, when I started doing the animation, a lot of people that saw it were friends and family. And they give you that, oh, it's nice. I like it. That's nice. But that's not really, I mean, really? They don't go, well, you know, your characters are a little bit underdeveloped. And if you so once you get beyond that, when you show yourself in public, um, I recently read something online about um, – I did a movie with count, uh, a hip-hop duo out of Cleveland called Counterclockwise. The movie's called Foreverland. Uh, Counterclockwise in Foreverland. It's a fucking feature. It's 50 Jim, minutes long. That 50, fucking animated and, himself. Yeah, and, and it's, it's like The Wiz meets uh, – Flash Gordon. It's like an animated crazy, if almost very um, 
Parliament Funkadelic-ish mm-hmm. sci-fi musical comedy. That's kind of what I would describe it as. If Parliament Funkadelic starred oh, in a yeah. Flash Gordon movie. Yeah, I, I bit lots from them. They have teeth marks from me. That's how much I bit from them. <laughs> but I recently somebody wrote something really like mean online like about it. Like, like, oh, that's kind of a troll. That's what they mean. And I read it and I, I kind of went, okay. That, like, I just moved on. The same thing happened with San Giorno. With San Giorno, when I put it on the Rugburn channel with Titmouse, that my audience was multiplied hundreds and hundreds of times. I mean, they, they get thousands of views on Rugburn. And when you're going to get thousands of views, you're going to get some, like, really nasty ones. Yeah. Hip, And I got some really hipster ones, too, I could tell. But I have no desire to reply or whatever because it's like, whatever. Yeah, it's not that funny, you know. It's almost like I feel like when people don't like my stuff, I feel like it's you got caught with your friends talking too loud at a restaurant mm. and people are looking up from the other booth. You don't go like, hey, I'm funny. You know, <laughs> fuck you. You just kind of go like, oh, well, I, I shouldn't have said those things right. maybe out loud yeah, as yeah. loud as I did. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I, I, I think um, I don't have any desire to go online and do that to people. You know, to if I don't like something, <laughs> that Iron Man suit is just not. You know, I I don't have any desire to do that. When I even when I don't like something, I really feel strongly against it uh, creatively. Yeah, I just don't have that gene to to go online and and criticize because it's just my opinion. Because I get tired of that. I get tired of he- hearing that from other people. So I just don't want to do that myself. But but whatever. I know I can take it though. I I have taken it. Oh, I know you can take it. Oh, you know I can take it. Uh, do you do you have I don't know what your definition of success is? Do you have a defined like I'm gonna once I man that that's op- when I'm my Oprah moment here. Yeah. Um, yes, I think it would be if somebody let you write and design and uh, storyboard a movie and then uh, maybe someone else just drew all the pictures, maybe I, someone who's like critically acclaimed that's had like an entire legacy in the industry. and To me, success would be being in a hot tub with R. Kelly, drinking an horchata, watching um, Family Ties reruns while doing ecstasy. <laughs> and other than that... Secondly, would be to be um, happy, just to be happy. I guess, you know what, the ultimate success for me would be to have that feeling, creatively, of course, to have that feeling in your gut that you have when you're a kid, when you're playing Star Wars figures, Mm -hmm. when you're making your comic books, or when you're getting that new comic book, the X-Men, for the first time as a kid, and you're excited about it, or when you're going to buy fill in the blanks album mm-hmm. you know and um phil and the blanks is, was a great group that by the way fucking, really yeah. their first album amazing yeah. um he's a phil apartment <laughs> yeah. concept record yeah, right so good so. yeah he was like protesting his whole fame <laughs> thing so he's phil hartman but they like put plastic uh like makeup <laughs> on his face to make it a blank and everybody in the band had a blank face i remember yeah that. yeah yeah There's a lot of problems blanks. with the blanks yeah not as good as eddie and the cruisers but close <laughs> um but to have that excitement um, creatively, that's what I'm searching for. I'm always searching for, like, oh, this is fun. Like, I'm having fun doing this. Um, I want to live my life like a thumbnail, David. That makes, yeah. I want that to be the quote for the show, too. Yeah. yeah. No, I really like that. Living life like a thumbnail is a really... Cause it sounds like point, a Bon Jovi lyric, actually. It, <laughs> living life like a thumbnail! 
Yeah, no, that's good. That's really good. Do you feel like you've accomplished that already? Yes, at times I, I have. Uh, working on the San Giorno thing, working on the Foreverland thing, working on Revengeance, uh, working on the chain gang, chain. Just lots, lots of times I feel. I feel it. You know what? I feel it the first 30% of every project. I feel that satisfaction. Then you start running, you out, have of, to, you have running to, out of fuel, yeah, throwing yeah. things out of the airplane, yeah. <laughs> lightening the load. Okay, yeah. It's not going to be a 30-minute cartoon. It's going to be a three-minute cartoon now. Um, but yeah, I feel that all the time. That's what drives me, actually. That feeling, that creativity, that um, excitement that you have. That's that's kind of earlier when we were talking about big career goals. Mm-hmm. That's why, I don't know, my mind doesn't think like that too much because it's like I'm always chasing the dragon, man. I'm always looking for that next high, man. You know, it's all about that, man. So are you somebody then that's motivated by... Th- like someone you you would define as somebody then judging from that last statement who uh, the the reason you make stuff is because of the process not because of the end result. Ooh, um, you know what? It's funny because yes and no because I do be, I love the beginnings of projects the first half it's that home stretch that kills it and then it's all about the finished project the finished product um but it is i think if ultimately it is it is the the thrill of when you are first starting a project and you're into it and and it's working and you feel you're feeling it and you can imagine how you know one of the other things too i nothing i do ever comes out like it is in my head never 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 which is kind of good because i think in my head i'm i'm john byrne but when I look at the page, it's way more Steve Ditko. Hmm. You know, mm-hmm. uh, yes, I just compared myself to John Byrne and Steve Ditko. Uh, but you know what I mean? It's yeah, yeah, it's one thing in my head. But then when I draw it, record well, it, it's the, it's animate the, it's the it, it's the weird else. like when you the perfect crystalline version of the story is this square jawed, one hundred percent, everything's dialed in, it's picture mm-hmm. perfect, John Byrne, yeah. and then the process of creativity of shunting it through the slowly decaying meat sack that we're both encased in it fucks it up so much along the way that it has all these weird dings and yeah and in, in your case literally fucks up the people so yeah. that they they, they start my they have like different length of arms and they like they, they all look like they have autoimmune diseases <laughs> they really yeah. do yeah. yeah yeah and all of my women on accident look like they're transitioning yep so and that's not on purpose i just sometimes draw like that um once in a while, I'll draw a beautiful woman, and, and I'm like, wow. I've never seen it, but you know, well, I, keep them, I keep them in a special drawer in a special room in my of house. Course. Got to, um, but this is the no-no drawer. Yeah, I, I, I have a, a really, I'm my art. A lot of times, is equivalent to the guy walking down the street with a really bad haircut, and you're like, what? Yeah, did he know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm okay with that. I, uh, like I said, if I was doing really serious stuff, I might be like, come on, man, this is just look past the art. But I know what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to get a response and get a, yeah. a weird uh, laugh out of it. You know what? When I saw Tim and Eric for the first time, I saw that that style of humor, and and it, I thought, oh, somebody captured kind of what the awkwardness of, of sometimes of what I try to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if you call that a genre of or style of humor, but just that whole where it's there's no punchline. 
Mm-hmm. It's not meant to be a punchline. The punchline is it, it's it's the atmosphere. Yeah, it's and the editing or the mm-hmm. the weird awkward shot, you know. Mm-hmm. And I've always drawn to make myself laugh, and that's kind of where it, it form forms from. Mm-hmm. I'm excited. Uh, I think you're gonna make some cool stuff as time goes on. I mean, you already have, but I'm excited that you're continuing to because I think it's hard especially as you get older like this is one of the things I wrote to Steve Ditko about I was like how the fuck do you keep making shit at 89 and he told me to go away but you know whatever did literally tell you to go away I haven't told you the story no so I sent him a package full of comics and I said hey you know I'm a big fan I really love your work uh how do you for lack of a better term how do you stay making stuff at Mm. 89 years old yeah and he wrote me and said (laughs) Dear Dave, yet another fan who does not inquire as to my time or interest in evaluating their work, I shall pass along to someone who has the interest. Steve Ditko. What does that mean? So then I sent him another letter, and I was like, all right, I'm going to ignore that shit, because I sent him a giant comic, a package of comics, and he was like, I don't want want your fucking comics, kid. Sent him another letter that was like, hey, uh, how often do you work? You know, do you read many modern comics do you like is it about a dialogue with the medium so therefore you don't need to know what anybody else is doing right now Mm. and he said uh dear dave i do not answer curiosities about my me or my work steve ditko so then i wrote him again (laughs) (laughs) i wrote him again and i said uh dear steve you know i respect your right for privacy um but in the interest of continuing dialogue with you i've been reading a bunch of your charlton comics from the 70s uh and i know that charlton had distribution problems which led to their failure as a company did you witness any of like shady business dealings behind the scenes that you know contributed to their failure (laughs) <laughs> this was the two paragraph letter now where he basically said uh, go the fuck away stop writing me you say that you respect my uh, privacy yet you keep writing me because I'm you keep writing me dude <laughs> and then the last line was um, uh, Charlton's dealings were no one's business but their own my dealings are no one's business but my own you know, you can do like a play, like a trapped in the closet play, <laughs> with the Steve and and yeah, Dave. Yeah, you yeah. Know, the Steve and Dave. Trapped diaries. in the Ditko. Yeah. yeah. You don't respect my privacy. <laughs> uh, but I don't remember what the question was that I was originally asking that led to this. It was you were asking me about Charlton, something about that. No, I wasn't. And yes, they were really bad. They're really bad. Um, I don't. I literally couldn't tell you what we were talking about before that. You know why? It's because you're a self-consumed yeah, person, and is. you don't care about my it feelings. It really, it really is. Yes. Uh, oh no, we were talking about. You know, I'm I'm impressed with the fact that you have just continued to fucking do it. Yes, that's key. That's very key. Well, that's you know what? It's it. The um, proof is in the pudding in this case because I really love making these cartoons and. I am not doing it to get that big deal or to get that, you know, television show or whatever. I'm doing them because it's compulsive. I need to do it. It's an expression. It's the way I express myself. These ideas I get make me laugh. So it's that or a long, hard battle with schizophrenia. It's one of the others or both. I don't know. But um, I have to do them. It's my outlet, you know. Um, I have, you know... um, there's a lot, lots of thoughts that go on in my head, lots of ideas that go onto paper that never make it on onto the screen, but the ones that do, um, 
it feels good, you know. Otherwise, I cannot think of another analogy, but I would feel creatively constipated if I didn't. I've been there when I lived in. It's horrible. When I lived in San Diego, I didn't have any artist friends. I was super isolated. Uh, You know, my partner at the time was wonderful. It was great, like living not with my parents. You know what I mean? Like that, just that weird life step of like moving to a new city. Learn where the grocery store is. Yeah. Pay rent. It's like life stuff. That was a really great experience. But it was the most lonely I've ever been because I wasn't I couldn't find anybody to make anything with and I couldn't quite fit the gears to do it together by myself. Like I, I work really well in a team and it was super fucking hard during that period. Because I just felt like I was on fire yeah. constantly. Yeah. That's when I first met you. You were Part of a comedy duo, yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah, and from and from Tucson, that's the other connection we have because I have lots of fr- uh, family in Tucson. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, I'm sorry, yeah, for them. What a burger! Yeah, yeah, there's that. Yeah, there's that. And um, EGs. Yeah, and EGs and uh, and tropical ice or something like that. I forgot. What it's I don't called. remember. You stayed away from the south side of Tucson, huh? <laughs> yeah. Um, it is. Yeah, I. I a few years back, we had a group called the Cartoonistas, and it was about there was about twelve of us, artists, just friends, and we would do events and we would do charity things and and with an organization out there called New Vein that we did things for the community and and that kind of fizzled out. We never like broke up, but it just kind of over time got slower and fizzled out, and then everybody it morphed into other things. I started doing my solo animation shows like Beyonce mm-hmm. and you just kind of go different directions and I am nothing if not the Solange to your Beyonce <laughs> that's true yeah yeah. I always looked at you more like a Kelly Clarkson okay I'll take it no Kelly Rowland Kelly sorry Rowland. hey man she was in Freddy vs. Jason was she? fuck yeah wow two Oscars <laughs> um, but don't talk shit about Freddy vs. Jason <laughs> Uh, no, I, I hear that. Are you are you gonna you think in the near future maybe work with somebody again like like Bill? Not necessarily Bill, but like I'm gonna make a movie with someone else. Maybe someone else writing and you animating or yeah, you I think doing... so. Oh yeah, I think so. Definitely, mm-hmm. I think that's what hopefully the future. That's what lies ahead because I've I've had so many years of, of being solo, doing much stuff. I, I've scratched that itch. Man, it's it's raw. Like there's nothing left to scratch. Yeah. So I like working with other people. But I'll always work on my terms too. Sure, yeah, with my sure. own stuff. But yeah, I'm 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 really look forward to working with. Um, you want to hear my wish list? Yeah. Okay. Here's my wish list. I met one of them the other night, Andy Dick. Andy Dick has always been on my wish list to work with. Yeah, you guys weird. are looking at me like I'm weird, but yeah, he's hilarious. Okay. I've got stories about that guy that we're gonna tell off the air. Got lots of Dick stories to tell me. Um, back. Okay. The artist. So two Scientologists. Let's go for the triumvirate. Wait, Andy, he's I don't know. I don't know. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. Okay. But Beck is. Uh, John Travolta. No, I'm I love uh, John Travolta. No, Beck, yeah. uh, Andy Dick, uh, John Taylor from Duran Duran. Because when I was 13 years old, he was like the coolest rock star in the world. And I thought, I'm going to grow my hair like his. And then I realized I got like a fro. And so right. it does not work. Yeah. But yeah, just because as a kid, he was like the icon of cool. Right. Um so yeah, so him. Uh, who? Oh, um, Wanda Sykes. I've Wanda always Sykes. been very loving with Wanda. Yeah, I, I really like her a lot. Um, and there's a couple of other people here and there um, that really weird, like people that you would never think 
that would do voices and stuff like that that I have on my wish list. But um, I'll, you can see my wish list if you go to www. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, so in closing, let's talk about the thing that you're doing right now. Yes. Okay. I love that. Uh, uh, right now I have a project that's out there. It's a three-part epic uh, disco freestyle 80s disco miniseries called Cherries in the Snow. Um, it's It was my palate cleanser after doing Revengeance because Revengeance was so many people involved. This was my way of just, okay, I'm going to do my own personal cartoon. Mm-hmm. Had to, Speaking of itches, I had to scratch that itch. Um, there has never been an animated 80s freestyle disco cartoon done. <laughs> I'm talking mini trucks. I'm talking Aquanet hair. I'm talking yeah, yeah. Lisa Lisa type, you know, Stacey Q type music, the cover girls, expose, all of that style. Uh, Diamond, we're talking Diamond Girl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's a, a group of people out there that if they were to hear me talking about this, would be like, yeah, I know you. Yeah. And there's other people going, huh? I could not find anything online for research. There's no websites I could find with party flyers and photos from that era. It's like a, it's like there's more stuff on the Byzantine Empire than, the, <laughs> than there is on this 80s music scene. And I'm telling you, man, it's like really untapped gold. Which is a, my next film? Yeah, really untapped, <laughs> untapped gold. gold. Yeah, yeah. But so it's called Cherries in the Snow, and it's the story of these two brothers. One of them's named Light Eyes, Light Eyes, and one's named Lorenzo. And and they have this party crew called Midnight Cherry, who at one point were really popular, this really big party crew. I mean, they ran the party scene. They show up in their mini trucks and start dancing at a party, and they would take it over. Well. They also bring a lot of baggage with them because Lorenzo's got this temper and it gets worse and worse. And they start fights at parties and get the parties broken up. And and other crews are starting to come up and they're kind of their stocks going down. So it's kind of about how the struggles between within this group and and there's temptations for light eyes to leave the group and join another group. And so there's. <laughs> And I just, it was really an excuse for me to record five or six songs that are Honestly, like though, totally. I haven't laughed. I mean, I think your shit's funny, but yeah. I haven't laughed as hard as I laughed at the Cherries in the Snow part two, the yeah. song at the end. Yeah, Night Sweats. Oh my God. <laughs> I hope that we can play Night Sweats, the song, as the outro to this episode. I'll, I'll give it to you, yeah. Because that shit had me dying it's I, like a montage yeah it's 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 i don't know if this is the first love making scene i've ever animated but it's the best and uh nisam my my longtime collaborator this guy nisam who i've known forever and he's done theme songs for me forever he sings the kind of the keith sweat part and then uh this girl lisa uh lisa c she does the the. It's my first duet I've ever recorded with an, a real female, rather yeah. than me, me doing the. Yeah. yeah, so it's. I had such fun recording that. The whole soundtrack to this. Uh, got Jose Cabrera doing a disco song. I got uh, my friend Gonzo. It's got a bunch of people on it, and it was my opportunity to play producer and make this yeah. really these beats from the eighties and love the synthesizers and all. I was laughing bit. so yeah. fucking hard. Yeah, and so I am having this. This was really done to make me laugh too. This is cherries in the snow. So, hope people go check that out. It's going to be three parts. Third, I part. hope the third part is just all music because that you know was, what it almost is. It is. Yeah. I mean, I'm not to talk yeah. shit on the the first two parts, but that song in the last half yeah. of the second part is 
it's better than anything else in those first two parts. It's so fucking funny. Yeah, yeah. So I, I've learned like, okay, I need to spotlight the music a little bit more with this. So this was my excuse to do like a Saturday Night Fever. Totally. You know, um, in that genre. Um, this is a case where I'd love somebody to come to me and say, hey, let's do this as a feature. Sure. I would get on the phone. I would call up Lisa Lisa. I would call up Stevie B. I'd call up all those people that do voices. Yeah, they're not doing fucking... Lisa Lisa works at the Ralph's by my house and Stevie B, I think. I'm pretty sure it's at the Tune-Up Masters. But um, that's really terrible. They're never going to work I'm with sure you now. Yeah, thanks, I'm sure they do Good stuff. I'm sure they do stuff. I'm sorry. Sorry. Um, but... Um, yeah, I hope everybody checks it out. Part three is coming out January, and I'm going to assemble the whole thing. Mm-hmm. It'll be all put together, probably like a 20 minute movie, and I'll I don't know, I'll probably play it in festivals or something. But yeah, it was my way to get back just doing my own stuff. Sure. Yeah, and so my after Cherries in the Snow, I have an idea of a I'm going to do these little tiny shorts, um, real short cartoons put them all together it's gonna be, i'm kind of kind of do like my own monty python mm. sh- series on youtube mm. that's my plan cool so um and lots of music with that too fuck yes so i want it in my life yeah y'all gotta listen to my my music that's always been my secret weapon <laughs> that of my cologne yeah yeah so yeah well the name of your cologne is secret weapon right yes it is yeah <laughs> Uh, where can people find your cartoons on the interwebs, my friend? You know what? I'm going to tell – I used to say go to my website, jimluhan.com. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, that's a good thing if you like five, six-month-old news. <laughs> go to jimluhan.com because I update it in the past. <laughs> um, but I will say what I am updating quite a bit every day is my Instagram now. Your Shrimpstagram. My, yeah. my, my Gymstagram. I, I hang out on Shrimpstagram a lot as well. Uh, um, I play clips, including Cherries in the Snow and clips from all of my uh, old cartoons. Um, and I find they work really well in minute-long chunks. Yeah, yeah. That's what kind of made me want to do short cartoons again. Um, but, yeah, go to my Instagram, which is, is Jim Lujan, J-I-M-L-U-J-A-N. Yeah, I spelled it right. Um, go to my Instagram, follow me there. And I post a crap load of new cartoons all the yeah. time. And and wonderful photos, too. Indeed. Yes. Uh, yeah, you can find me at heydavebaker.com uh, or on Shrimpstagram and everything else as xdavebakerx. I'm going to be, this is a ways off at this point, but I'm going to be at Emerald City, WonderCon, C2E2, and Heroes Con next year uh, in 2017, as well as some other stuff. But those are the big ones that I've... Uh, this year, this year, because this will come out in 2017. We're in the future right wow. now. Uh, so this year, I will be at those shows as well as many other ones. You got really fat too in the I'm future. I'm so fat oh right now. Oh my gosh! Oh Dave. my god! I'm so fat. It's ridiculous. I like your beard though. Thanks, bro. It's it been taking great. me a while to grow yeah. it out. I'm gonna be in 2019. I'll be at JizzCon in San Bernardino, <laughs> California. You can find me there, booth 60122. <laughs> Desire, boy. I bet 
bag of flaming Cheetos. Let's hit the spot and bust out that libido. Rolling and rolling, we roll between the sheets. Rolling together, let's generate some heat.
Zane. Zane.